And Baasha, king of Israel, came against Judah and built Ramah. Ramah is just this little town, remember where uh, Samuel lived, and it's just north of Jerusalem. And what is Baasha, the king, what, what, what is he building so close to uh, Judah? Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. This continues the struggle for dominance between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Baasha gained the upper hand in the days of Asa because he effectively blocked a main route into Judah at the city of Ramah. He hoped this military and economic pressure on Judah would force Asa into significant concessions. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 15 in the book of 1 Kings. ...and tribes and tongues and nations to see their dead bodies, and after three days... Three and a half, uh, after three and a half days, the breath of life entered them, and they stood on their feet, and God took them up. Their lampstand is going to be removed. Even during the great tribulation period, God's going to give them a witness, give them a testimony to listen to. But once, that te- once the time is up, he's going to take them up too, and oh my, things are really going to get wicked. Up to that point, things are already very wicked, but then once they leave... The witness is gone. And the lamp has departed. The lamp is gone. And see, that's, that's what this was all about. When he was saying that the lamp of David, my, my, the witness of, of David and his succeeding generations going down through uh, all the way to Jesus Christ, all of that was important. The witness of the line of Judah, of those kings, pointing toward ultimately Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the root of David, who everything is about. So back back to verse 5, back in our text, says, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and didn't turn aside from anything except in the matter of uh, Uriah the Hittite. And, And I love the fact that God isn't partial concerning sin. He's not a respecter of persons. God will call sin, sin, and he he doesn't play games like many people do in the church even, and even pastors. He doesn't play games and say, I have my favorites, I'm not going to punish them or or, or, or remove their lampstand in a will. Not their salvation per se, but remove their witness, their effectiveness, so it will just be extinguished. He doesn't play games with that, and neither should we. 
And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Now, many manuscripts, you might want to write over Rehoboam. You might want to write Abijam, because that's really what it means. Uh, Many of the um, Greek manuscripts, the majority of them, have Abijam there instead of Rehoboam. And that makes sense contextually with where we're looking at, and that's important. But notice in verse 7, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Yes, they are. And I gave you the verses, and you can read them later. You can get more information about it. And so... Um, So Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, which is Zion. And if you go to Israel today, um, I I think, I forget how many years ago it was, um, when I was there in uh, 2011, they had just a year or two prior to that, so probably around, I don't know, 2007, 2008, 2009, somewhere in that period, they discovered the the, the southern, the southeastern, portion of the Temple Mount, they started digging and they found Zion, where David's palace was, where the, the, the tabernacle that David had built for the Ark of the Covenant that he brought into Jerusalem. That's where it all stood. And they've uncovered all this stuff now. Now they've got a whole big thing over it. And you can go and you can visit. It's really amazing to see all these places where David was. This was palace. You're visiting his palace and you're seeing the ruins of it. It's amazing. So notice... Now Asa comes into the picture now that Abijam dies and um, a very short reign. But in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, uh, Asa became king over Judah. And Asa reigned from 911 B.C. till 870 B.C. And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Maacah, the granddaughter of uh, Abishalom or Absalom, and Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, make note of Asa because he is the first good king of Judah after the kingdom had split up. You know, d- you know during David and, and, and Solomon, the kingdom was united, but after Solomon, the kingdom became divided. You know, with Jeroboam in the, in the north, northern ten tribes, and Rehoboam in the southern two tribes. But Asa was the first reformer king. He was the very first reformer king. He's the first one uh, after all this mess. And what a wonderful man this was. He reminds me a lot of Josiah, who we'll get to later on. Another great reformer king. Perhaps the best, Josiah. But now Asa, this reformer king, and he banished the perverted persons from the land, and he removed the idols that his father had made. And again, these perverted persons are male temple prostitutes that practice sodomy and prostitution and religious rituals. That's what they did. So these are evil people. And also he removed Maacah, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asherah is a Canaanite goddess of fertility. And what they would do is, since we're um, all adults here, they would make these um, pillars, and, and they, they, they were like, uh, like phallic symbols. And, and, and they made these things, and his mother or grandmother had one of these, and, and he cut it up, and he, he tore it down, and he burned it in the brook Kidron. And you know what's so fascinating about going to Israel? And if you get to go next year with us, I hope you do. I hope I get to go. Um, I'd love to. But uh, if we go there, um, and, and there's plans of going, 
just to be going to walk all around Jerusalem on the temple area and down in the Kidron and to think about all the things if that ground could speak. As you're reading these things and you're walking across the Kidron Valley and to think of the blood that had been shed and the people that we're reading about in the Bible, there's DNA and I'm just, I get weird like that. I think about stuff like that. It's everywhere. If you just were able to dig down far enough, you'd still find artifacts. And they do. They're finding them all the time. Someone will be in their garden in Israel and pull out a coin. You know, they're, they're planting their rutabaga or whatever, or, uh, or their rhubarb, and they uh, pull out their little spade, and there's a coin. Oh, wow, look, it's got, wow. It's got David on the front. <laughs> you know, they're finding stuff like that all the time. But the high places, notice, weren't removed. And nevertheless, notice, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord his God all of his days. And he also brought into the house of the Lord the things which his father had dedicated, the things which he had for himself had dedicated, and all the wars. Uh, now there was war between Asa and Baasha. We're going to learn about him later, king of Judah, all their days. And Baasha, king of Israel, came against Judah and built Ramah. Ramah is just this little town, remember where uh, Samuel lived, and it's just north of Jerusalem. And what is Baasha, the king, what, what, what is he building so close to uh, Judah and Benjamin? Why is he building and fortifying this city, Ramah, when it's right on the doorstep of Judah? Well, for very good reason. He didn't want anybody to go out from him into the kingdom because that's where all the sacrifices, that's where all the Levites were going, that's where all the right worship was happening that God ordained and approved of, and many people were leaving from the north and going to the south. And so he's like, if I'm going to lose people, I better set up some kind of you know, uh, place to where you know, they're not going to be able to go by. I'll send them back home. What are you doing? Why are you going to go worship God when you can worship this uh, or golden uh, cow? And then Asa... He took all the silver and the gold that was left in the treasuries. And finally, what he does is, this is one of the chinks in his armor. Uh, we find it, finally, you know, he, he, he basically takes uh, all the silver and gold from the king's house, and he goes and he talks to Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, and he says, will you break your allegiance with, with, the, with the northern uh, ten tribes and come against them? Here, I've given you all the silver and gold. Will you just get them out of our hair because they're, they're, they're coming against us? And so he does. And while he's doing that, while the king of Syria and his army is coming down, Baasha and all of them are, are building this fortifying this thing right on the border of Judah and Benjamin. And once he hears that the king of Syria is coming into his land from the north, he leaves off building Ramah, there it is, and, uh, and he goes back to, you know, to deal with this invasion that he's got coming. And so, um, so Ben-Hadad did that, and now it happened when Baasha heard it, he stopped building Ramah, he went to Tirzah, and then King Asa made a proclamation, and we read about this. He had everybody come to that place in Ramah and take all of these building materials that Baasha so gratefully had given and, and, po- and put there. And they took all of it and they began building uh, these towns right to the north of Jerusalem, which is uh, Geba of Benjamin and Mizpah. They began fortifying those things as a barrier, if you will, to because Ramah is here and these other two towns, Benjamin and Mizpah, or Agiba and Mizpah are very close by. And so what they're doing is they're building fortifications to keep that from happening. And so 
It says, the rest of the acts of Asa and all of his might and all he did, are they not in the, uh, in the cities which he built? Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And yes, they are. And you can go to, you don't have to go there now, but maybe write it down, Second uh, Chronicles chapters 14 through 16 gives some more information concerning that. And you can read that. And it's really fascinating, actually, to read. You kind of get some uh, filling in the blanks of things. And so let's go on to uh, verse 24 here. We're getting close. So, um, so Asa rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. And then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. Verse 25, so Nadab, after, after Jeroboam dies, Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. So he reigned from about 910 to 909 B.C. So just maybe one, one and a half, maybe two years at the most. And so um, one thing you have to remember as we go through kings, there's going to be a lot of overlapping and a lot of, uh, of this kind of thing happening where it's talking about kings of the northern ten tribes and then kings of the southern two tribes. And so one is dying, one is you know, living for so many years, and then so it's keeping tabs on the northern tribes and the southern two tribes. And it's sort of like a jigsaw puzzle as you go through the, the Bible in that way. But notice in verse 26 that this Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, walked in the way of his father, and in the sin which he made Israel to sin. And remember, nothing ever changed with the northern tribes. There was not one single king that did the right thing. Only in Judah was there a handful that really did the right thing. Everybody in the north Everybody, every single king, they were bent on evil, and they continued doing it. And then, um, and it says in verse 27, Then Baasha, the son of Ahijah of the house of Issachar, he conspired against Nadab, and Baasha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. And Baasha killed him in the third year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. So now Baasha, his reign... Is, uh, began around 909 B.C. And it was so that when he became king, that notice what he did. <laughs> he killed all the house of Jeroboam. This Baasha. He killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anything that breathed until he had destroyed him according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. Now we read that earlier. Do you remember? Remember back in 1 Kings chapter 14? You might want to write the reference off to verse 29 here. Read 1 Kings 14 verses 7 through 14. But remember what the, what the thing was. This is... Um, uh, let me get right to it. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam. And it literally came to pass because Baasha killed Nadab, who was Jeroboam's son. And then he, he wasn't satisfied with that. He killed all of the sons of Jeroboam, all the males of Jeroboam. That means there's no possible way that any of the sons of Jeroboam could actually take over the line. Now you've got a man named Baasha who was from the tribe of Issachar. Now he is on the throne, and now things continue going. But God fulfilled the prophecy. And Baasha just happened to be the nut that did it. Pretty interesting. And notice that Baasha did this, and God allowed it. And why? 
Verse 30 tells us why. Because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he had sinned and by which he had made Israel sin. You know, it would have been one thing for God just to judge Jeroboam, but it was more than that because Jeroboam was the leader of that group of people, of those ten tribes. And God holds that leader ultimately responsible for the tenor of his rule and his reign. What was he doing? And he he led them into idolatry. And they were willing to be led into idolatry. But he judged Jeroboam and he allowed all of him, including his sons, all of his sons, to be killed by this man, Baasha, who now is the king of the northern ten tribes. Now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Now we don't have those books. They're not extant. They're not available. Nobody's found them. But somewhere there there was a record of that. But God sees fit to only include the Chronicles of Judah. Again, for the reasons I stated earlier. And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. And then finally, Baasha reigns in Israel. So verse 33, in the year of Asa, king of Judah, Baasha, the son of Ahijah, became king over all Israel in Tirzah, which happened to be their capital now, and he reigned for 24 years. Isn't it interesting? As sometimes God allows somebody who was so evil to reign for a very long time, and then you get some guy who was a really wonderful person, And he does everything that God wants him to do. He's a star, and and, and he's just doing all these great things, and his life is snuffed out like that. And then you got somebody who's just evil to the bone, and God allows him to live long time. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. We know that sometimes it doesn't work that way. And there's no formula, is there? See, you and I, we like to to have this kind of formula in our heads. Well, if you're evil, your life's going to be shortened. And, And, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes they live long past the righteous. These things happen for reasons that we don't understand, but God knows, and that's good enough for me. I don't have the mind of God, and he has a reason for allowing and doing the things that he does. But notice finally in verse 34, he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin by which he made Israel to sin. And what a horrible thing, isn't it? Just to consider so there's a lot to learn here if you think about it. You know, learning from the past, you know, and to understand that people are people. We, we really haven't changed. We haven't evolved. Some people say, oh, we've evolved. No, there's no such thing as evolution. Evolution is a fallacy. It is a fraud. It is a fake. It has been from the very beginning. And any intelligent person who really believes it, it's not a mental issue. It's a heart issue because they can be told the facts and they refuse to see the truth. You can call it, you can show it right to them and and God says it very plainly and yet they will deny it and deny it and it's like it's insanity. God created all things in six days. In six 24-hour periods, he made all things. They didn't evolve. But after all that, God wants us to learn from our past. And, you know, to me, that's a good thing for us to look at tonight as as we see this, not to mention just the historical things that were happening. It's like, are we learning from our past? Can we, will we learn from our past? And you know, our country is at a precipice right now because we haven't learned from the past. Someone once said the 
What we've learned from history is that we've learned nothing from history. Can we see what's coming? Biblically, does it make sense? It's frightening, but yes, it does. I don't know what's going to happen. If, we, if we're going to have a reprieve for a period of time before the Lord takes us, have no idea. But I know this for a fact. As I look around and as I see the things that are happening, the major things that are happening in the world right now are all aligning with the Scripture, all aligning with everything we talked about when we were in the book of Revelation. It is literally coming to focus so clearly now. So it behooves us to listen. It behooves us to learn. It behooves us to pay attention. Otherwise, we become like men who are kings of Israel. They didn't learn anything from their fathers, their wicked dads. When they saw them living horrible things and God bringing judgment and allowing them to go into you know, losing wars and battles, and they, just, they didn't learn. They just continued to perpetuate the same awful, hideous, idolatrous practices. And America is no different. America, we need to repent from our sin. We have sinned grievously against God. And thank God that just not too long ago he delivered, you know, he, he came through. To him be the glory for this, but remove that stain of Roe v. Wade. It's still not going to stop people, but think about how many hundreds, may, may, thousands certainly, maybe even, who knows, hundreds of thousands of kids that have already been saved as a result of that on June 24th. Think of how many people, young people, kids, are being born today that wouldn't be born because of that. And it's up for us to be vocal about that even in the state of New York. We need to pray. But let's learn from our mistakes and, and not be like these things that we read. See, Scripture was written for our nurture and our admonition, for our learning, and that's why it's there for us. We learn about Jesus. We learn about his plan of redemption. But in the process of doing that, we learn about our nature. We, we, we learn about the gulf between us and God. And we learn about the one who is the mediator between us and God, the man Jesus Christ, who is almighty God come in human flesh. And it's in him that we have to answer to and I'm so looking forward to seeing him. How about you? You looking forward to seeing him? I can't wait. I really can't wait. The tears that are going to flood our eyes when we see him face to face and new bodies and all of this toil and troubles down here in the earth will be like a distant memory. Get carried away and think about that and let your heart be relieved because church, that's what we have to look forward to and it's coming. It's coming. Let's stand and pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word, Lord. And, and may we be unlike some of the examples we saw here tonight in chapter 15. May we learn from history. May we learn from our parents. May we learn from those who have gone before us, Lord. Help us to be students of your word, Lord, to be students, Lord, of your heart. Lord, to listen to you to be willing to, to change. Lord, would you change us tonight, Lord? Reach down tonight, even while we rest, Lord, and do the magic, do the wonderful work that you do, and make us, conform us to your image, Heavenly Father, through the, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Would you please do that, Lord? We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.